3: I don't think they'll let us because other shows exist on this network. But today we need six hours instead of three. We're going three, but we need I'm six. In, I'm having
2: camera issues. I camera see that. issues.
3: <laughs> there we go. There. Ah. Well, yeah. it's better. I'm Michael Borkman. i Brian perfectly. Haydad. Richard Cross is off today. For the next few days, he'll be back uh, sometime. I don't know. He'll be back eventually. Not today, but he will be back. Eventually, again, I'm Michael Borkey's Brian. Brian Haydad, this is Sports Talk Mississippi on a Monday, and here's what we are going to try to get to, and this isn't even everything that we should talk about today, but here's what we are going to try to get to in the next two hours and 53 minutes. Ole Miss officially hired Chris Beard. Mississippi State made the tournament. They'll play tomorrow night, though. Early uh, turnaround for Mississippi State there in the first four. The Ole Miss women made the tournament. Mississippi State women made the tournament. They are also in the uh, the first four. Mississippi State swept their weekend series. Ole Miss swept its weekend series, solidifying the Big, Big Ten, 10 champions. championship. <laughs> Eight and one in conference play for Ole Miss. Southern Miss won the series. Game lead. Southern Miss back ended. Yeah. Uh, Valparaiso over the weekend. We'll do winners and losers. We'll talk to Scott Barry, Chris Lamonis, Mike Bianco. So the brackets Miss are all
2: corn in the NIT. Let's throw those in there. So well.
3: they're missing all corn in the NIT. Josh Hubbard committed to Mississippi State today. The little in-state flipperoo. NFL free agency is here. We probably won't get to that, but it's chaos right now. It is just nuts. Tonight. Waiting on Aaron Rodgers' news. We'll see what happens there. Uh, apparently, Matt Carrell also on the trading block for the Panthers after they traded up to uh, to number one. Uh, I don't know how we're going to do it.
2: Well, if anybody could do it, it's us. I think so. So let's let's stop
3: messing around then. Pick a topic. Go. Tournament. Let's start tournament selection. Sunday was yesterday. All right. Mississippi State, we we'll start with the men's tournament. Selection Sunday was yesterday. Mississippi State makes it. Uh, they were almost not in the first four. Almost not in the first four. But they were. And they get Pittsburgh late tomorrow night on but, True TV.
2: But by that same token, playing in the first four means you were almost not in the tournament. That too. And so it was. it was obviously a much closer deal than I thought it was going to be going into last Friday. Uh, I thought once they beat Florida, they were snugly in, uh, but that was not the case. And, you know, we talked about chaos. There really wasn't any conference tournament chaos. The chalk held for the most part, but I'm just going to tell you right now, if UAB had beaten FAU yesterday, Mississippi State might not be in the tournament right now. I mean, it, it's, it, a couple more upsets here and there, and it would have been a lot closer call than anybody in Starkville or, or Mississippi State fans would have wanted it to be. But, but, all that aside, they are in. And they will play tomorrow night against Pittsburgh. Uh, a, a, we talked about when they played Missouri, about a contrast of styles. Big contrast of styles between these two teams. Pittsburgh is a free shooting. They score, but they are not very good defensively. On the other hand, State stifles everybody they play, but they can't score a lot. And? a familiar name on the Pittsburgh roster, yeah. uh, Blake Henson, who played at Ole Miss and had maybe his best career game ever in the Humphrey <laughs> Coliseum. Not that he should be a, le- a lottery pick or anything. Only a only a fool would suggest a thing like that. But a good player, and he's now their leading scorer um, for the Pitt Panthers. So this is a very interesting matchup for Mississippi State. If they can win this game, I might like them against Iowa State, a team that sort of... You know, Iowa State's a play better matchup for the them stretch.
3: than Pittsburgh, which is weird because Iowa I agree State's with the better team and a better seed, obviously. I agree with that. But,
2: but uh, yeah, but they got to get past this one. It's, it's going to be a very very tough game for Mississippi State.
3: We'll get into that more, but just uh, purely from a program perspective, this time last mm-hmm. year. If I told you they make the tournament, regardless if they're in the first four or not, they're in. I, I no, saw never would have believed somebody you. doing this in in a different market. Say the first four doesn't count. Uh, that's not true. It counts. They made it. Not true. They made it. They, they made the NCAA tournament. Being here, and we talked about this on Friday. So when you were off, but it bears repeating. It's not like Chris Jans came in, Christoph Jans, and turned the roster over. You know, he took the same guys minus last year's best player. And made them a tournament team, largely. If, if you look at last year's stats and this year's stats, you're like, "Oh, that guy, that guy, that guy," and he made the tournament with them. It's a really encouraging thing, knowing that he was able to take the guys that got their coach fired and made them a tournament mm-hmm. team a year later. That's yeah. big time.
2: And you feel like as he gets his guys in, and he got a big one today. Yeah. That, you know, that this team should continue to improve as they. Yeah, they got to add scoring right the defense will be there he'll coach the effort he'll coach the defensive stuff they got to get guys who can make some shots and once they get that they you know they have a chance to to be a more regular participant in this uh this beloved event but you know yes you you if you could go back to you know this time a year ago when we were talking about Ben Hallen uh you know being being fired at Mississippi State no you there would have been it would have been a really tall order to convince me that this team could make the NCAA tournament. I would have told you that being in the NIT would have been a really big win for this program. Yeah. Instead, year one, they're they're going to dance, and uh, the program f- feels like it's on really solid foundation and feels like it's on a uh, re- it's been a really good place. Oh, for sure.
3: And then and the matchup you mentioned it. I, I I looked last night. Pittsburgh is a team. I think, if I remember correctly, it has four players that shoot 35 percent from three or better in their regular rotation. They, they shoot the ball and they shoot it well. They average over nine threes per game. Uh, but as mm-hmm. you said, it, they're not exactly a, a stout defensive basketball team. But yeah. if if you have one of those nights where they've got a couple of guys, I mean, one of their uh, regular players shoots like 44% from three. If if a couple yeah. of those guys yeah. are are on, it's going to be hard for State to keep up.
2: They shoot 45% from the field as a team. They shoot 36% from the field, uh, from a three point range as a team. I mean, if Mississippi State shot those numbers, they would have been the number one overall seed yesterday. I feel pretty (laughs) confident in telling you that. So, yeah, this, I mean, like I said, this is a real contrast in styles. And is State going to be able to sledgehammer this team into missing shots, or are they going to be able to make those shots? And on the other side of the ball, Mississippi State, one of the worst offenses in the country, the worst three-point offense in the country. So I learned that Friday, by
3: the way. I knew it was the worst three-point shooting team in the SEC. I did not know it was the worst three-point shooting team in all of the United States of America. That's correct. And that said, Pitt is a really bad defensive
2: team. They give up a bunch of points. They give up about 74 points a game. So, I mean, when we say contrast and styles, it is on both sides of the court. But, and what's funny is, on when Pitt has the ball, you got two of the nation's best, and when State has the ball, you got two of the nation's worst. This should be an outstanding basketball game. I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's, I feel like uh, the King and uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. We're either going to have a wedding or a hanging.
3: Either way, we ought to have a good time, huh? <laughs> huh? Uh, yeah, uh, State based on my research last night, is going to have an advantage with their best player versus... I'm not kidding. So Tolu is going up against a guy named Federico Federico. (laughs) Federico Federico! (laughs) That's his name, I swear. If you're out there thinking there's no way that's his name, that's his name.
2: I did an interview today with a Pittsburgh guy, and I was like, please, tell me more about Federico Federico. And I learned Federico Federico was born born in Egypt, but raised but a Senegalese national raised in Helsinki, Finland, and is now
3: at Pitt. Now in uh, Pittsburgh.
2: <laughs> what a story. I can't <laughs> wait to learn more about this young man. And yes, he is gonna be tasked with guarding Tolu Smith, which should be interesting because he he's six eleven, only two hundred and twenty pounds though. So is he prepared for the physical pounding that Tolu Smith is gonna deliver? State is gonna to have to be State's usually the more physical team when they play games. They really need to be tomorrow because I, I this food this pit team, I think they're they've got athletes, but state that's where the state's going to have to make its money is by really pounding this
3: team. So, uh, David asked, Why do they ever shoot a three? Because at some point you have to, I mean, just for spacing purposes, you just you have they're to open.
2: Shoot. Yeah, they're oh That this is the one thing that I, I've been saying it all year encourages me the most about Chris Jans is that almost all of state shots are within three feet of the bucket. Or an open three. They just don't make the open threes, and they don't really make enough of the three foot shots. But once they get better at that, this team is really going to take off. This program, I should say.
3: Yeah, but still a, an awesome step in the right direction. We're talking about the matchup. We will more tomorrow as well, uh, hoping to have somebody that covers Pittsburgh on. Uh, it's a late, late, late tip off, and I, people are going to do the. I don't know if I have true TV jokes. That drives me nuts. Um, you, you have a remote. It's been 10 years. Uh, turn turn on the television and go to your guide and see if you have it. And if you don't, it's on the CBS app. But, like, where's True TV? I don't know if I have it. As if, like, you don't know how to work your remote. It's you know simple. you've watched
2: Impractical Jokers. Yes.
3: You know that you have. I so. have it myself. I looked last night to make sure. I've got it. I don't have to download have an app. I'm good. Every but, major
2: cable package, satellite package, you have it. Yes. They have it. Yeah. Because nobody is going to have a package that doesn't have the NCAA tournament on it.
3: Absolutely correct. But uh, incredible accomplishment making the tournament in year one. Meaningful basketball is so much fun. And uh, Chris James and his team delivered that this year. And at least one more time tomorrow night. But Scott Berry joins us when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi.
1: Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes!
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Uh.
3: Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you again on a Monday, a busy, busy Monday, but we can't not talk to our baseball coaches here in the state of Mississippi. Up first, Scott Berry of Southern Miss. Coach, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I want to start with uh, just a quick congratulations, another series win for you and your bunch. Uh, Friday didn't go particularly well for your team. How is, uh, how should I phrase this, what is it like after a Friday night loss and, and what do you do and say to your team to get them to bounce back as well as they did the Saturday and Sunday to win the series
4: well you know basically uh you know when you lose that Friday night obviously you're you're behind already and only one more loss and you lose the series so your back's against the wall and you know we, we kind of give the example a lot of of boxing in all honesty Michael and just you know being on the ropes and bringing the fight back into the middle of the ring and Certainly that was the challenge after Friday night's loss that we need to get it back in the middle of the ring and, and put them on the ropes and, and even this thing so that we have a chance to, to win the series on Sunday. But, you know, we fell behind both Friday and Saturday, uh two to nothing in, in both those games on the top of the first before we even stepped to the plate. So, you know, being able to overcome that on on Saturday and not being able to really overcome it on, on Friday was, was the difference of of the mentality that our guys had and and to to play uh to play more of a competitive game not not that we didn't compete on Friday and in all honesty we just we just missed on some opportunities and um uh, Valparaiso who uh, you know a lot of people probably say who's Val Valparaiso but I knew coming in their their numbers uh, offensively were really good and their first four or five hitters were as good as we've seen this year of just really swing playing and, and short swings. And I'm not sitting here saying knock it out of the park, but just extending at bats and, and not striking out and and really being very competitive. And that's what allowed them to jump out uh, both those games, uh, two to nothing there was that top of that lineup.
3: You had, 20 combined innings pitched from your starters. And, and I was talking to a friend about this over the weekend that it seems like starters aren't going as deep into ball games around the country. Maybe that's just an incorrect observation, but your team uh not the case. So, uh, how do you uh how did that longevity happen this weekend, especially Saturday and Sunday, really efficient seven complete innings from both guys?
4: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you. Tanner Hall, who's our Friday night guy, which everybody's familiar with, you know, he ran pitch totals up to 32 after the first inning and you know that's not what you want certainly out of your friday night starter because the last thing you want to do is is have to get in that bullpen very much on friday and expose it with two games left to play but you know he was able to after he gave up the two runs he was able to cover five shutout innings after that only on five walks and, and two or i'm sorry five strikeouts and two walks but you know he he gave us a chance, and for forever, you know that game was sitting there at two to one. We scored one in the third, but it was a grand slam in the seventh by them that uh, really made the difference. And it was our our bullpen piece that came in and struggled a little bit, had a couple of walks and hit batter, and kind of self inflicted the uh, the situation. And, and their four hole hitter. You know, he got a pitch, and he didn't miss it, and that was, that was the difference in, in losing 6-1 to one on Friday. But, you know, we we have been able to go deep with our starters into the game. You know, uh, Matty Adams, our Saturday starter, he covered seven innings. Nico Mazza yesterday covered seven innings. So, you know, we kind of need that a little bit. We need our starters to go a little bit deeper because our, our bullpen is just not as deep as, as it was certainly last year with uh, arguably the best staff that, that I've ever been a part of.
2: Coach, looking at your your numbers for walks, they're just up over last year, and, and that's not a Southern Miss thing. That's happening all over college baseball. We're certainly seeing it up here in Starkville at Mississippi State. Now that you've had a few weeks to to assess things, we talk about the, the the rule changes with the pitch clock and how how strictly they're following that. Do you think that's playing a role in why there are just more walks in college baseball this year?
4: Well, I do. Uh, you know, maybe that's playing a little bit. I think the zones are tighter. In all honesty, you know, with the with the, uh, the track man that's out there and, and the, the things that the assigners are wanting to be reported back, uh, with, with the grades on umpires that these, these, uh, track man and, and, uh, uh, services like them that, that are able to, to generate those umpire reports. Certainly those guys don't want to be calling things off the plate. Their, their zones are a little bit tighter and I'm not saying it's, it's all their fault, but I, you know, I think they know that they're being graded on it. and, and certainly we're not a uh, we're not major league baseball pitchers at our level, so it gets a little frustrating sometimes on those balls that I feel like historically have been called strikes. And it's not just for us; it's the opponent. You know, you see it both ways. But I think that's maybe what has tended uh, or trended the uh, the walks to be a little bit higher, as you say, across the country.
2: You've played almost all the start of the season in the friendly confines at Pete Taylor now you're about to go on a five game uh road's trip with a, a trip to Texas state to start sunbelt play. You know, is your team ready to go out on the road and you know what changes for you this week versus last week when you have, you know, home home games?
4: Yeah, you know, I don't think anything. I, honestly um Brian what we've like to do is we like to play out of the four non-conference series to start the season. We normally like to play one of those on the road to just create that routine that we're going to have when we start conference, not knowing at the time when when we make these non-conference series if we're going to be at home for the first weekend of conference or on the road. But this year, we are on the road at Texas State, like you said. But, you know, I had to go with four weekends at home this year just because I lost the ability to schedule midweek games with some of these teams that are in the Sun Belt with us are no longer my, my teams that I can schedule for midweek, nor are we for them. And those teams being South Alabama, Monroe, Troy, Lafayette, uh, those were all midweek opponents that, that I lost. So in order to build, that, uh, build up that home home schedule and, and get the amount of games that we like to have, which is 30, at home I had to play those first four weekends so you know whether we're ready or not whether we've been in a routine or not uh, you know here it comes and we have to be ready and, and, and face the challenge
3: Scott Berry joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line coach you mentioned even though you have some familiarity there the the new conference schedule do you find uh, that you might be at uh, some level of disadvantage knowing that these are a bunch of teams that that you haven't been able to scout over the years and, and develop a familiarity with uh, being in the new conference, does does that set you guys back at all as you enter conference play?
4: No, because I think the other side of that, you could say they are experiencing the same thing. You know, there are venues, particularly this one this weekend that we visit in San Marcos, Texas, Texas State. I've never been there. You know, I don't know anything about it. Uh, I kind of followed them over the years a little bit. Last year they were a very good club that probably should have – uh Hosted, or I know they were in contention to host uh so you know a, a very good baseball program, and you know coastal Carolina I've never been to that place you just southern, so you know there's a lot of there's a lot of new places that we will visit and and they'll have to visit us on on the other year as well, so I think it kind of evens itself out as as you go through it
3: got about a minute and a half left with you uh we ask you often you know, what did you learn about your team this weekend? Uh, let, let's flip that script a little bit. Is there something that you're still wanting to learn about your team that you don't know yet as you enter conference play?
4: Well, I think this team is a work in, in progress, in all honesty. We're 10-5 and five right now, uh, with one game left to go in what I call the first season. That's the non-conference part of the schedule before we hit the conference schedule, which starts on Friday. So, you know, right now, I'm still striving for consistency in all areas that, that we play. I think the one thing that has shown up and shown up pretty well is, is, is defense. I think, you know, we haven't our worst enemy as far as that goes. I think we've made good decisions on, on the field and, and what we do defensively that we're not beating ourselves. So, you know, being able to get the bullpen consistent is is still a work in, in progress, as is our offense in in, it, in it at all as a, as a whole. Um, you know, sometimes we hit in the top of the order, sometimes we hit in the bottom of the order. Obviously, we all strive to hit all the way through the order, but you know, our guys that that have been around this league, those are the guys that we're counting on and need them to really start stepping up.
3: Coach, we appreciate it so much. Congrats on the series win, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, guys. That's Scott Berry, Southern Miss head coach, joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Uh, we're, we're short on time. I was going to ask him uh, about just the veteran nature of his team. I mean, half his half his starting lineup at this point is collecting retirement benefits from Southern <laughs> Miss at this point.
2: If, and that's with Gabe Montenegro finally out. Yeah, I mean, he was there. I, I'm, I'm almost positive he, he played in the 80s. How many degrees do you think he has? Four? Five? He is Doctor Gabe Montenegro, <laughs> at the very least. I don't know what he's got his doctorate in, hitting, I guess, but Must yeah, be. He, he was there. He he was there a long time.
3: Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the C Spire text line. We got the message a second ago about he said, uh, "I know it's y'all's job, and I respect that, but I'd really like to talk about the program in the state that now has arguably the best head coach in the country." That is clearly an old miss fan talking about. Uh, the the hiring of Chris Beard We started with the NCAA tournament Because we had a team make the tournament I think that's a big deal We have talked a lot about Chris Beard But the hire was made official So we'll talk about that when we come back It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio
0: Communication system is a go. go This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi Right here on Super Talk Mississippi Exactly
3: We're going to have a bracket challenge. Give you the details and the group and all that uh, later on in the show. But yes, yes we are. Um, If I remember the group name correctly, I'll have to pull it up to make sure. But it should be Sports Talk Space MS Space Radio on ESPN's bracket challenge. Sports Talk MS Radio. and The password is STM Radio. But we'll have the uh, the link and all that stuff ready for you uh, later today and and definitely tomorrow and before uh, Thursday. Even though Mississippi State is playing tomorrow, brackets will be able to get filled out all the way up until Thursday at like, what is it, 10 a.m.? Uh, 11 a.m.? Yeah, whatever that, yeah. Something like that. I, love it.
2: I think at 11 a.m., yeah.
3: So uh, we'll have time there. But yes, we are doing a bracket challenge. Of course we are. And uh, yeah, sports talk space MS space radio. Password STM radio. And uh, and that'll get you in. But we'll have the link and all that stuff uh, later on. I'm Michael Borke. He's Brian Haydad. Again, the selection Sunday was yesterday. Mississippi State made it. They'll play Pittsburgh tomorrow night. Both women's teams made it. Old Miss will be off to Seattle to play Gonzaga, who is a nine seed that is ranked number 16 in the country. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, help me out there and in uh, Mississippi state uh made the first four so yeah can Lost uh, themselves
2: in the SEC tournament i would say there yeah. losing that first round game killed them should
3: have should have if they had advanced one game i think they would have been out of the play in but oh well oh well they did not they uh, did not but still a a nice step in the the right direction for that that program after I mean, what they yeah, went after through, after two Schaefer years
2: left. of of what what has been going on here, yeah, to get back. And with the first, I mean, never mind, you know, Chris Jans was the first-year head coach at Mississippi State, but he had been a head coach many times before and been to the NCAA tournament. Sam Purcell never been a head coach. So to get that, you know, year one, I think that's a good, very good sign for him. For sure.
3: The other bit of basketball news that happened around here, Chris Beard uh, was officially hired at Ole Miss. If you listened to us Friday, I told you that, you know, between now and three o'clock Monday is is when that thing's going to go official. It's just a, a matter of, of of when, and not if it, it was going to happen. Uh, I mean, uh, on Friday during the show, somebody showed me a picture of the stage that they're going to that they were setting up for use during the introductory press conference tomorrow. I mean, it, it was done. It was just when the formal announcement was coming, and it did come earlier today. So i not going to read you the quotes or anything. It's all fluff. It's PR writing. It's, it's what they do. It's so happy to welcome Coach to the program, and I'm so excited to be at the program. And, you know, somebody else might have wrote left it some for, details out. You don't th- know. Th- there are always some details left out, and there are particular details left out of that release as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and we talked about this again on Friday. We've talked about this many times. I- I've spent the day trying to figure out how to add something new to the conversation. You can't tell the story of Chris Beard being hired by Ole Miss without talking about the arrest. You cannot tell the story without it. You can't do it. Uh, so ignoring that uh, would be goofy on our part. Malpractice, however you want to describe it. Can't tell the story without it. From a purely basketball perspective, they hired an elite-level coach. That, Simply put, he is an elite basketball coach that Ole Miss could have never hired otherwise, absent the arrest. That That is the context in which th- this conversation has to go, and it, I think it has gone with us. I don't know if we've shied away from it, but, you know... We've, had, we've talked about it. I, th- I think so, and I, th- I think fairly. Maybe you disagree, and if you do, please let us know, and, and we'll amend it. But uh, we had a couple people, uh, one sent... Sports talk, a, a thing about it. how are you guys going to talk about this? A couple people in my DMs were like, "Can't wait to hear you explain how it's not just about winning." It's, it's like you you don't listen to us if that's the case. I, I there's no other way. We've to been apply.
2: saying it's just about winning the whole process yeah. of
3: this. Uh, that's all this is. Th- there's there's no uh, other way ar- around it. Ole Miss hired Chris Beard today. Despite the very recent arrest, charges were dropped, but the arrest did happen, because he's an elite-level basketball coach. If he was just an okay basketball coach, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. You're not going to get that spun on this show. That's why Ole Miss hired Chris Beard. It's because he's going to win, or they expect him to. From a basketball perspective, he's the safest hire Keith Carter could have made because he has the most established resume of quote-unquote available coaches or coaches that would move from one place to another or didn't have a job. Of any candidate, he has the best resume, the deepest track record of recruiting and winning. That is why he was hired today. It was winning over everything else. And th- there's there's no dancing around it. Th- there's no spinning it. Th- th- that is what it is. Th- that's it. Just win. That That's it. And... So if you were asking how we were gonna spend that, it's not. Ole Miss hired him because he's going to win. They're putting everything else behind winning by hiring Chris Beard. That's just the truth, that's reality, that's what it is. So simply simply it doesn't get any simpler than that.
2: It it just doesn't get any simpler than that. Chris Beard is only coming to um, people are gonna say it's me saying this, but it's the truth. Chris Beard's only coming to Ole Miss because of this situation, all right? Otherwise, he'd still be at Texas. You know? Simple as yes. that. Chris Beard doesn't get arrested. Chris Beard doesn't, you know, whatever. Whatever he's uh, allegedly accused of. I'm not going to go too far down the road with that. But he's still at Texas. He's in the NCAA tournament. Ole Miss is probably waiting on Dusty May to get, you know, get eliminated and hire him. It's it's just that simple. But he is now at Ole Miss. There will be twenty four to forty eight hours of bad publicity and think pieces and, and all it's gonna happen. You know, and obviously if you're an Ole Miss fan, if you're Keith Carter especially, you're you know, you're hopeful hopeful and prayerful that it's this it's not a pattern thing, if there's a one time incident that will never happen again. And if that's the case and he stays on the straight and narrow, you got a winning head coach, coaching Ole Miss basketball. And it. It really is just that simple. This is a risk-reward decision. The, the higher-ups at Ole Miss have decided the risk is worth the reward, and we will see how that pans out.
5: Yeah.
3: But, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's. we talked about this on Friday some, so forgive me for rehashing this, but I I read a little bit of a column calling it a desperation move for Ole Miss, and, and my response was, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a program that's been to nine NCAA tournaments, one Sweet 16 ever, and that was when the current athletic director was on the team, college student. It's 22 years ago. They have no... It's a dead, lifeless program with no history to, to speak of, no history of success, no real NBA presence. They have one guy in the NBA... And with all due respect to Terrence Davis, who's a good player, like he's a good NBA player. Yeah. If you pulled the average sports fan, who's Terrence Davis? Could they answer the question yeah, honestly? Don't know. They don't Probably know. not. So it's a lifeless program. It's a dead program. There's no energy. They've been one of the worst teams in the SEC the last couple of years. There's no NBA presence. There's no history. And so they hired somebody that has a history of putting players in the NBA has a history of developing talent, has a history of winning above means at a place like Little Rock. He was one missed basket away from winning a national championship at Texas Tech.
2: Right.
3: Who also was recently arrested. That has to be part of the story. However, he's an elite-level basketball coach. When when the hmm. dust settles on all that, Ole Miss hired... An elite level basketball coach, not good. You, you, could even argue, not great. Elite. That's what they have for however in, long they have it. I'm
2: interested to see how tomorrow's press. I assume it's tomorrow. It is the tomorrow. press conference. will go. Uh, you know, when Jan's was introduced, he was asked about the incident that uh, that affected his career eight years ago uh, at Bowling Green. Uh, he answered the question I thought as as well as anybody could. Uh, And that was an incident, again, eight years ago. This one is so much fresher in everybody's mind. I assume that it will be asked by more than one person. Uh, You know, your fan sites won't ask about it, but, you know, Clarion-Ledger, Daily Journal, and perhaps uh, if there's any national media, and I would assume there would be some national media because this is a, a big hire, a big name, and if there's a big story around it, so it wouldn't surprise me to see some national college basketball writers making their way to Oxford tomorrow. I'm interested to see what, what, what Beard has to say.
3: Yeah. they uh, I assume they'll have a well-crafted response uh, from him. <laughs> uh, I mean, or, or else what are you paying public relations people to do? But uh, we'll see what those are. That'll be at 5 o'clock, I believe, tomorrow is, uh, is when that'll happen. They're doing, like, a introduction so thing in, inside the uh-huh. arena, and then after that they'll go over into the media room to have a more formal press conference. So we'll we'll kind of get an idea of what those answers are uh, are going to be, but officially official Chris Beard to Ole Miss. A bunch of your texts have come in. We'll get to that when we come back. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: To the sports, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. A couple of your messages, and this is where uh, people kind of lose me a little bit. And uh, here's what I mean by that. So we, we get one message that says, what's the difference between Beard and Freeze? Another one that says, I'm tired of hearing people talk about it. Winning is the only thing that matters. Get over it. So what about Chris Beard as long as he can help Ole Miss win? Here's uh, something that I've noticed that, that is going on that that I find a little ridiculous. Um, John Talty, friend of the show, uh, after it came out that Ole Miss was hiring Chris Beard, said, uh, quote, Heard from people at multiple SEC schools in Nashville this past week who weren't thrilled, to put it mildly, about Ole Miss hiring Chris Beard and the message that it sent. That's where you—that's where you lose me right there—is when you have these anonymous other SEC people talking about optics. Okay, this is a this is a conference that just named Alabama basketball its champion after giving Brandon Miller the Player of the Year award. This is a conference that just hired Hugh Freeze. This is a conference that employs Bobby Petrino. This is a conference that currently has a school that is awaiting punishment for using a hospital charity to illegally pay players. That is what the SEC is. So,
2: This is a a conference that allows you and I to show up at its media
3: days. True. I mean, how dare they? But... None of that is okay. I've talked about that many times. I don't think Brandon Miller should play it. I don't think Auburn should have hired Hugh Freeze. On and on and on and on. I understand that the optics around hiring Chris Beard very shortly after his arrest aren't great. Like I understand that. But when you've got anonymous people... Talking to an Alabama based reporter about the message that it sends when you you look at what's gone on around the rest of the end that's where you lose me. When you when you pretend like only Ole Miss has done something recently immoral. That that's where you lose me. That that's that's where it gets a bit ridiculous. When you when you treat them as if they're different than say Vanderbilt who didn't do anything to James Franklin after what happened there, and he went on and went to Penn State when you let Hugh Freeze be the coach at Auburn. But you have to take his Twitter account away because he sent emotionally charged messages to an alleged sexual assault victim that was suing his employer. You know, that, that's where you really lose me in this moral high ground stuff is when you, you anonymously, anonymously talk to John Talty about messages being sent that is ridiculous to me look around
2: yeah. this, this is the truth I mean I, I've been and I've been saying by the way a lot of the people who are like turning the other way on this oh it's all about business it's all it's all about winning are the same people who are like I'll stop watching college football if Nil continues let's just talk a little hypocrisy there shall we <laughs> you, you don't you don't mind the people getting arrested it's just God forbid they make any cash on the side. But at the end of the day, I mean, look who runs businesses in this country. Look who we elect to serve us. We don't care. As long as it personally benefits us, nobody cares about anything. Nobody cares about anything except their own personal benefit. Everybody's got a breaking point. You love your wife and kid? Yeah. Michael? Yeah. But there's a number. There's a number where I could say, walk away. Now, it may be a huge number, but that number exists, and we all have it. Nobody cares about anything but their own personal benefit at the end of the day. And so Ole Miss will benefit greatly from Chris Beard being their head basketball coach because he will win games, and he will make the university money, and he will bring them good publicity after this week is over. And so we all move on.
3: We get this message.
2: It amazes I mean, me how many people... when these games tip off, when the, the play-in games tip off tomorrow, nobody cares about Chris Bearden anymore.
3: We get this message. It amazes me how many people don't understand how people can make mistakes in life. It must be nice to be perfect. I, I'm certainly not perfect. Um, neither is Heyden nor anybody else. But, but we, we really don't need to pretend that these things are about anything other than, than winning. It, it, it's just that simple. If this were... A just okay basketball coach, he wouldn't have been hired by Ole Miss today. Brandon Miller is only playing at Alabama because he's six foot nine and makes forty two percent of his threes. We we just don't need to spin it into stuff like that where not nobody's perfect. Well, no, of course not, but people also make mistakes that end up in tragedy, and and it. it you don't just jump right back into a multi-million dollar career. The only there's, reason there's why this a is happening is because he There's a sliding scale on win. mistakes. Yes.
2: There's a sliding scale on mistakes. There's a difference between jaywalking and domestic violence. There's just a sliding scale. There's a sliding scale between, there's a difference between, you know, got caught uh, staying out after curfew and I brought a gun to a crime scene. There's a difference. Yes. And you know that.
3: So, you know, it's, it's, the
2: hypocrisy of fandom, though.
3: It's all about winning. That That's why this is going on. It, you can love it. You can hate it. Be uncomfortable with it. It's winning. That's it. There, there's no other justification you need to make because it's all it, winning over everything else. That's why the decision was made. That's why Miller's playing at Alabama. That's why Freeze is at Auburn. That's why Chris Beard is at Ole Miss. Winning is the only thing that matters. Winners and losers when we come back.
0: If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk, Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you on a Monday at Sports Talk Mississippi, a busy Monday. A couple more of your messages before we get to winners and losers. Hunter in Columbus says, if anyone thinks it isn't fair that Ole Miss gets hate, then I don't know what world they are living in. Ole Miss will have to deal with it now, part of the deal. Now Beard has to win. That's what I keep, you know, telling my Ole Miss fan friends that, you know, text me. I've gotten sent a couple columns and tweets and and stuff like that and like Haydad said earlier, and a message took exception to what you were saying, that, oh, we should just, like you were telling them to just start ignoring it now. That's not what you were saying. What you were saying is, after a couple of days, nobody's going to talk about it anymore. That doesn't mean you think it's right, or that you think that people should move on or whatever. It's just, after a couple of days... This is going to go away because every—that's how all of these things happen. Does anybody talk about Hugh Freeze anymore with Auburn in a context other than football? Does that happen anymore? Does, does that happen anymore? Only you know, if we talk about football, I, I will likely make a joke. But that's it. But in terms of like national people and nobody no, mentions but it. But nobody
2: anymore. is like still harping on the idea that Hugh Freeze has been hired. It's gone. Right. It's
3: buried. It, you move on to the next thing. Alabama basketball will will make the tournament. They'll stop mentioning it. It's going to go away. Columns have been written. A woman died, and that story is going to. It's it's going to we'll go, away. go away. Does anybody mention the Our Lady of the Lake thing with LSU anymore? No. Just us. Just us. You know. But no. As often as we can. As often. But no, they, they don't. It's it's not a story anymore. Yes, Hunter, you're right. Ole Miss is going to have to wear it for a couple of days, and there's going to be bad columns written, and there's going to be questions at, at the press conference tomorrow, and there there might even be some uncomfortable questions and answers at the, the press conference tomorrow. We will have to see. Yes, it's going to be criticized. They should have expected that going into it. Any almost fan that is taking exception to the criticism, you should have kind of been prepared for it. That that's how these things go. I mean, again as we mentioned before, it sends a clear message that winning is the most in, in, is over everything else. That they are putting the potential to win a lot of games over anything else. There are examples around the SEC that tell you that everybody does that, but in this case, it, it's your turn, and, and you're going to have to wear it. And as Hadad said before, the new is going to change quickly, the tournament's going to start, and, and people are going to stop caring and paying attention to it. And as Hunter said, now it's up to Chris Beard to stay out of trouble. And if he does, Ole Miss will be rewarded. And if he doesn't, it's going to be really ugly. And it's up to him to it's up to him. And and we'll have to see if it if it the risk worked out for Ole Miss. On the floor as an elite level basketball coach. If he stays out of trouble, Ole Miss possibly has the chance to do things on the court that they haven't done in twenty two years. Make a run in the NCAA tournament beyond the first weekend. Hadn't happened in 22 years. So, anyway. It is Monday. It's just after 4 o'clock. It's time for winners and losers.
4: All I, all, I, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser,
2: baby. We got winners. We got
4: losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. We're Winner never.
3: All right, hey, Dad. Yeah. You lead us off.
2: Sure. Uh, Got to be part of a little bit of of history at Mississippi State on Saturday. Uh, A lot of great players have played at Mississippi State baseball through the years, but only one, as a true freshman, has hit three home runs in one game. So I'm going to go with Ross Highfill, uh, the Madison Central product, who had a monster game, will probably likely whenever they announce it, be SEC Freshman of the Week and could be SEC Player of the Week. I mean, he had a a huge week for Mississippi State. Has probably put himself in a position, and and that that lineup is starting to figure itself out, and we'll ask Chris Lamont about that in a few minutes, where he's going to be more of the everyday catcher and Luke Hancock will be over there at first base. Hancock's having a really good season at the plate as well, and he's just a better defensive option for State at first base. But excuse me, was very, very impressive on Saturday, and a very impressive uh, freshman. He's amongst state's regulars now. He's leading the team in hitting. He's hitting four oh six as a true freshman. So really good young man. I met his dad prior to the game, so uh, I want to point out that every time his dad said, hey, I'm a fan of your show, he hits three home runs in one game. So so we keep that going. And if any other player parents are listening and you want to find me and tell me how much you uh, love us here at Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll see if we can't get your son to hit three home runs in one game as well.
3: That'd, that'd be nice. Yeah, I think mine's a little young for that, but either way. Uh, I flagged this message, by the way. I wanted to, to uh, talk about it, so real quick, to pause winners and losers to get to this before we can move on. We got a message that said, if you're an Ole Miss fan celebrating the hiring of Chris Beard but threw stones at Mississippi State for playing Jeffrey Simmons, you owe Jeffrey Simmons an apology. Well, you're not going to get one, because that's how fanhood works, but also, if can't you say the same thing that if you were a Mississippi State fan that defended enrolling and playing Jeffrey Simmons, and you should also defend Ole Miss for hiring Chris Beard? Don't don't you see how they they, they kind of work both yeah, both yeah, ways you're in gonna, there?
2: You're gonna force people's brains are gonna explode if you keep talking. and it mean, stop.
3: Can't, can't you see how both... Anyway. Um, Scotty Scheffler's a winner. Hey, Dad, I know you're super pumped up about the players, but he has had <laughs> a, oh, a, a run in the last 15 months or so that is rivaled by really only Tiger Woods in golf. He is just dominating the sport right now. Seems like a cool guy. Like, little little moments that I just love in sports, like this one, and it's cheesy, and it, whatever. But after he wins... You know, they, they do the handshake thing and he, he's walking off the green and he's his hands are up like, Where's my wife? I, I need to see Meredith. Where is she? And then she comes running down the tunnel and they give a big hug and it's it little moments like that that I love in sports. And he just he seems like a really good guy, and he's playing unbelievable golf right now, and he dominated uh the, the players' championship over the weekend and uh he is a winner for sure. You got a loser? Uh, I got a few. Um,
2: let's start with. Uh, oh gosh, I already forgot forgot one of them. Uh, let's start with uh, this 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 radio station in Syracuse that fired a, a uh, afternoon DJ because he felt he was too negative towards Syracuse athletics. Felt like just too negative towards Syracuse athletics. You know, a, a program that you know. Not a great football season for them. Men's basketball not making the NCAA tournament, and obviously they're they're moving forward. And their big three is men's lacrosse, and evidently the uh, the lacrosse team was not very good either. They fired a guy for being too negative. Now, as a guy who has made his brand and his living, and sits in this chair today, because I I may be I skewed pessimistic every now and then from what people tell me. That's that's that's, that's crap. That's just you can't you can't do that. You can't find. And the quotes from the guy, I mean, it reads like every uh, jean's page slash old Miss Spirit message board post I've ever read. talking about how you had an agenda and how, you know the you actually worked for the newspaper and did the radio show part time. That newspaper has an agenda. It was incredible. I, I I felt like I was reliving a lot of my life there. So that that's a bad one there for me. I had another one. I need to think of it. You go. You,
3: you thinking of the umpire in the New Orleans Mississippi no, Valley? No,
2: but that that's certainly one. But I, mean, I I don't know his name, so I can't. I didn't want to. But I had another one though. Go 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 go. That, you just, that,
3: you go with what you got. Yeah. Well, we'll just stick with that. That that umpire that did not like the nation's leader in stolen bases. By the way, there at uh, at Mississippi Valley. Uh, Called a, a strike that wasn't, the ball was low, and it wasn't a particularly close game. It was in the ninth, but ball was low, and, and the batter had a poor reaction. I, I bet if you asked him about his reaction, he would say, hey, yeah, I, I shouldn't do that. I, I would be willing to bet that in hindsight, he doesn't like how he reacted to that, but he kind of jumped up and down a little bit and put his bat down to where the the ball was. You shouldn't do that. You teach your kids not to do that. Again, I I'd be willing to bet that he would tell you he shouldn't have done that. But that that's what he did. Right? No cussing, didn't point his bat at the umpire, didn't use an F-word like a Tennessee player used at an umpire, didn't do that. Just just jumped up and down and and had was very he got upset. displeased with the call. And then another yeah. pitch comes. And it is low and away like you have I mean the just a bit outside. It a, a outside. cloud of
2: dust when it hit the dirt.
3: Yeah. And the umpire called him out. Called it strike three and ended the game on that pitch. The Southland Conference has suspended that umpire. He should never umpire a game again. I know that's not how you act to umpires. I get it. That should not end a baseball game on a call that bad. Strictly on retaliation. It was low. It was away. It was in the dirt. It was what? 18 inches off the plate in the dirt. In no world is it a strike. And he called the kid out and he ended the game. That was the strike three to end the game for revenge. An adult man on a college kid extracted revenge on a strike three call. It's embarrassing. And good on the league for spending him, but he shouldn't umpire a game for the league for the rest of the year. Shouldn't do it. That's uh, that's a joke. Chris Limonis will join us next, talking with Brian Haydad when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio
0: Back to Sports Talk Mississippi it
2: Doesn't get any better
0: than this on Super Talk Mississippi
2: Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Michael Borky here with you on a Monday afternoon. And as we do every Monday at 420, we go to the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team. Coach Chris Lomonis, who is currently somewhere between Starkville and Biloxi, uh, headed down for a couple of games down there on, on the Gulf Coast. Coach, thanks for catching up with us here on your travels. I'm going to steal a question from Michael that he asked Scott Barry in the first hour you know, we always talk about what you find out about your team in non-conference play. Now that you're going into conference play, what's something you don't know about your team yet that you need to find out?
5: <laughs> I haven't thought of that one yet. I don't know. Um, you know, I guess just playing on the road. You know, us getting on the road. We're, we're going to open up this weekend at Kentucky and, you know, playing in another SEC environment. We played in uh, a couple places, but a lot of it's been neutral sites. So I would say that's the biggest one for us is, being able to take our team on the road and play play in front of somebody else's fans.
2: And this is a, you know, you think about Kentucky through the years, that was always, you know, kind of a hitter's park. And now since they've remodeled, it's a little bit different. The pitchers have a a little bit more of an advantage than they ever did before. And it's going to be really cold this weekend. You know, what does that mean for your squad? You've had pretty good weather down here in Starkville, and now you're going to go back and it's going to be like the first (laughs) week of the season.
5: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, the things that I can't control, you know, the the, hard, the hardest part is, um, we're going to go up there and we'll take jackets and everything else and be ready to play. But, <laughs> I mean, the game's the game and they got to play in it too. And I know they're, they're from there. I, I coached a long time in the Midwest and in Kentucky. So, um, you know, they got to play good baseball and we got to play good baseball. And the, and the one who plays best will win. But yeah, you hate that you're playing up there, um, you know, this time of year, you know, that's the, you know, it's uh, having tough weather after we've gone through it, but it, it is what it is, and nobody can control it.
2: Let's talk about last week. 4 uh, 0, which I felt like your team really, really needed to have a clean week, and they did. And pretty clean defensively, didn't have an error until the game on Sunday. When you look at your team and the way, you know, people seem to feel, feel like they're starting to settle into roles, do you think like things are coming together for you at the right time here with conference play starting up?
5: Well, I think one of the biggest things was our pitching this past week, just being able to get quality starts. I mean, we from, from last Sunday, every day we got a good start. It lets us work our bullpen a little bit better. Um, we've been a good offensive team, knock on wood. Like, it's, you know, all offensive, we've been good. And then we've just cleaned it up a little bit defensively. And the one game when we had a couple errors on Saturday, they were kind of a couple of them were different errors, you know, a relay and a, and a back pick or something like that, not just your normal stuff, but. You know, we played the game a lot cleaner this past week, and we needed to. I mean, we needed to start putting that together and and uh, playing with some confidence.
2: I think one of the most interesting stories with your team is the, the dynamic between Ross Highfill and Luke Hancock. You've you got a true freshman and one of the most veteran players in the SEC. They both play the same position, and then you've got situations where Hancock can go to first, and you get them both in the lineup. Highfill and Hancock both had good weekends at the plate this weekend. What's their relationship like off the field? Is it a mentor-student kind of relationship, or are they just friends?
5: No, I think it's a mentor you know relationship, and it looks like that with a lot of younger kids. I mean, you know, Ross is, man, he's, I, I'm on the bus, so I don't want to talk too loud, but I don't like him to hear me complimenting, <laughs> but, um, but he's a really talented player, and there's some rawness in there. There's some things he has to get better on, but... You know, just physical skills and 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 how hard he plays. I mean, that's that's one of the most impressive. Um, I can I can deal with the mistake here and there. That if you play the game as hard as he does, and Ross, I feel man, he plays the game hard and, and he, he gets after it. And so, uh, you know, and I think Luke's been good for him. You know, we're able to share those guys. And if somebody's a little more base running, you know, we may go with a little more Ross. But you know, other other games we we switch it off. But you know, you know, Ross is really pressing me right now because the. The bat's been really good over the last week. I mean, he's just he's done some special things at the plate.
2: Again, going to ask you a question, and we asked Coach Barry earlier. You know, you're four weeks into the season. Uh, walks have been an issue for your team, but walks have just been an issue in college baseball. Now that you've had some time to evaluate it, you talk with Coach Foxhall, how much do you think that the changes to the pitch clock and, and what the umpires are trying to to do this year has affected the way pitchers are pitching? And do you think it has an effect on how many walks are being given up?
5: Oh, I definitely do. I'm not so sure it's the pitch clock. You know, we have recently gone to the TrackMan grading of the umpires, and so the ump the strike zone has gotten drastically smaller. I mean, I think you're seeing walks everywhere, for the most part, and offense is up. And I, I think a lot of that's because of that new, you know, that we we started last year, but it's still it's the strike zones are smaller than ever. Um, you got the pitch clocks, you got you know all that going on. I, I do think it makes a difference, but. You know, for us, it's more, you know, handling the environment and just pumping in the strike zone. You know, uh, the ones that get me are the non-competitive pitches that aren't even close. You know, if we're, if, we're, if we're pounding the zone and we're missing a little off left or right, it's one thing. But, you know, it, when we walk guys, it's, you know, what we're missing by more than a ball. But it, it has changed. I mean, it is, it is. When you look across college baseball, the offense is crazy right now.
2: You've got five games in six days, starting tomorrow down there in Biloxi. You've got a game with Nichols and then with Louisiana on Wednesday. Then SEC play starts. We'll talk about pitching a little bit in just a second, but just how do you manage, you know, you're on the road now for all of this. How do you manage that with your team?
5: Well, it's, it's um, you know, this Biloxi trip's always been fun for us. We come down here, our fans pack it out. There's a great high school tournament going on during this time, and it's spring break for us, so there's no school um, and originally we were supposed to play Vanderbilt and Starkville this weekend until so they, they had to change the schedule. So that's kind of why we we kind of have a weird week here. But um, you have to spend five on the road in the SEC, and you get five at home. you you got to spend so many guys, days on the road. So for for us, we're, we're, we're taking it one day at a time. We're, we're pulling into Biloxi now. We're going to practice tonight. Kids will have a good meal. Should be two fun days down here, and then we get on a plane and fly to Kentucky, you know, and – my first year I was here, we played in Starkville during spring break, the two games, and it was a ghost town. I mean, so nothing around, nobody around. Um, so we decided to start coming to this, and we've had great success down here. And our, our fans have really supported it. And, um, you know, getting out and playing across our state, is, is it's important to us.
2: I love spring break and Starkville, well, Coach. No traffic and no waits at the restaurant. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know. That. So, I, I'm, I'm right with don't you. Don't disparage it but... too much.
5: <laughs> hard to get the
2: team. Uh, let's, talk you know? so, yeah. let's talk about pitching. Yeah. Let's talk about pitching. Let's talk about pitching. Who do you have going for you in these next two games?
5: Well, we don't know the second game, but we're going to go Bradley Loft in game one. You know, so he'll throw against Nichols State, and then we'll assess who we use, and then decide tomorrow night, you know, who we're going to go with on Wednesday. So we have to be smart because we we got to be ready for the for the Kentucky series, you know, and, and, you know, these two midweeks, when you have two midweeks, it, put, it puts a strain on you a little bit. So, um Hopefully, um, you know we'll get we'll get some good starts here and play good baseball, and then regroup and then get ready for that series in Lexington. But we'll go with Bradley Game you, One.
2: You told us last week that you had some players, you know, that were that were going to be out this past weekend, and and you're hoping to get some of those guys back. Kate Smith, Aaron Nixon. How close do you feel like those guys are to being able to contribute again?
5: Yeah. Well, everybody's moving forward. You know, uh, I'm not exactly sure what and when and. You know, if you go to a cold weekend, I'm not sure if that's the best time to bring guys off the DL. You know, so we'll, we're we still working on it. We had some guys throw some pins this morning and, um, you know, just kind of working back toward that. But we got to be smart. I mean, we we can't rush a guy back, and it needs to be in the right, right time frame. But we feel good about where those guys are at.
2: I thought one of the, the biggest things for you last weekend was that, All of your starters gave you five plus innings. And I was really impressed with Graham Eintema in that he had such a rough first inning in that game. And it looked like you might have to go to the bullpen early, but he got through it and then ended up giving you four really quality innings after that. Mentally, you had to be very proud of how that went for him.
5: Yeah. And, you know, Arizona State game was very similar, too, if you remember. Like, you know, once we get him Mm -hmm. started, we just got to get him into that second, third inning. And he seems to, you know, pitch with a lot of poise and. And uh, pitch well. I mean, he had such a great fall in a spring training for us. And we thought we were using him out of the pen, but he's he's been able to keep – he just keeps guys off balance. And so uh, I'm pr- I am proud of the way – because I was concerned. I mean, that first couple of hitters, and I don't think he warmed up great either. So it was uh, a guy trying to figure out, you know, find it. And once he found it, he was pretty good.
2: And then with Gerangelo, I had I caught myself for, uh, Friday night. I made the comment, "Wow, he's over 100 pitches." And then uh, Robbie Falk said something to me, He's like, well, you got to think he's throwing, you know, this many with one arm." And I, it had, didn't really occur to me. I assume you guys track, you know, how many throws with one arm and how many throws with the other. You know, how does he feel after a hundred pitch performance?
5: You know, he says he feels pretty good. You know, we don't. You know, uh, we really treat him like everybody else. I mean, we're, we try to stay right at 100. He really wanted to go back out there for the sixth. I think Lofton got six on Tuesday night, and they're best friends, and they've been talking trash to each other. So he really wanted to go back out there and get his six. And so, um, but you know what? People don't understand. It's, it's not so much about left arm, right arm. It's it's the whole body. What the body takes in a whole night, and I think that's the the biggest piece for us. You know, because I even asked him that after one of his outings, and he said, "No, coach, just my body gets tired." And I get it. You know, and once the body gets tired, that's when some of them, keep, you know, get hurt or anything like that. So it's not. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, hey, can he throw 50 with one and 70 with another? And it, it just, you know, it, it's about the entire body. You know, earlier in the year he had, a, you know, one of his knees, just, you know, my knee sore coach. You know, like it's just, you know, his, his body has to do more than what everybody else does. And so um, it's two different movements, and, and it's pretty amazing what he does. But He's been really good for us.
2: That he has. That he has. Five games this week. The start of conference play at Kentucky. Coach Chris Lamonis, thanks so much for your time. We'll see you again uh, next week.
5: Thanks, guys. Hell State.
2: That's Coach Chris Lamonis on the uh, Farm Bureau uh, guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We'll be back just after this.
0: Sports Talk, Mississippi.
3: Brian, hey Dad, with you. We'll circle back to winners and losers. Hey Dad, you said you remembered one of your two.
2: I did. I did. Had my, my my the loser that I forgot. Uh, it's any reporter who reports something and then 15 minutes later has to admit, nope, that's not the case at all. And I'm speaking, of course, of Jeff Goodman, who tweeted out on Saturday that Wichita State had had let their coach go, Isaac Brown, and that Chris Jans would be quote heavily in the mix. Of course, this is something else that had been reported elsewhere, equally incorrect. Uh, and then 15 minutes later, has to tweet, uh, do not expect Jans to move from his current spot. What that is, I will, I, I'm going to let some of you guys in on the world of how the media works. What that is, is uh, he reports that, and then Chris Jans calls him and probably calls him a bleeping idiot and says who would leave an SEC job for a mid-major job, and then you move forward with your life. And of course, you know we had the the whole well. I hear he hates Starkville. You know, for a place that nobody seems to like, coaches just keep coming here and making millions of dollars. It's the it's the damnedest thing I've ever been a part of. But that was a dumb report. Christians was not going to leave Miss.
4: Were
2: we really thinking that if Wichita State offered him three million a year, which would be a lot for a for a coach there? And I know and know Chris Greg Marshall was making three point five, but he had built up to that over years. But are we really saying that Mississippi State couldn't outbid Wichita State? Is that what we're trying to say? No. No. Dumb report. I hope I never have to retract something I report within 15 minutes. God willing. knocking on wood.
3: He should. If I was his agent, I would wait until after the season ends, and I would leverage the heck out of that opening, though. I would leverage the heck out of that that opening. I, I think... I think that
2: that's Jan's like straight up is like no. Like look, if Kentucky calls, sure. Louisville, why not?
5: Louisville had made Carolina, a change. Yet, absolutely. By the
2: way. Yeah, but we're not uh we're not we're not seeing Jan's leave to go to Wichita daw state. That's not happening.
3: Uh I have another loser by the way, the the haters no. and the losers of which sadly there are many. Of couple of haters, couple of haters. Uh, there's there's a few oh. about uh, Derek Carr and the Saints. Here's your your stat of the day. This is going to blow your mind, okay? Drew Brees and Derek Carr through the first nine oh, no. years of no. Drew Brees. Oh, you hear this? This is going to blow your mind. Through the first nine years of Drew Brees' career compared to the first nine years of Derek Carr's career, okay? 35,045 passing yards for Drew Brees. 35,222 passing yards for Derek Carr. A 234 to 123 touchdown to interception ratio for Drew Brees. 217 to 99 for Derek Carr. 64.8% completions and a 91.1 passer rating for Brees. 64.6% 64.6% completions and a 918 passer rating for Derek Carr. Derek Carr, Drew Brees, Spider-Man meme, pointing at each other. They're the same guy. Derek Carr is going to win a Super Bowl <laughs> in New thing. Orleans if history tells you anything. Uh, no, that is, that is that blew my mind, though. Absolutely blew my that's mind. Great, their stats you, are stat. identical in the first nine years of their career. Identical. It's crazy. I'm just going to go and tell you.
2: That if Nick Wright agrees to go on Nick Underhill's podcast, if they make that happen. I will be subscribing to NewOrleansFootball.com because <laughs> I want to hear Underhill just absolutely waylay him on that.
3: Just intentionally ignorant to the the obvious facts of the salary cap deal, and he he keeps saying over twenty percent of the cap is in dead money. That's forty five yeah. million dollars. They have five million in dead cap. A little bit different, but. Yeah. He knows that
2: again. If if that interview is made, if that happens, they Nick Underhill will get my money.
3: To the text line: Winner, Ole Miss basketball. Loser, Valpo. Revenge is a dish best served cold. Loser, the poor baseball that Kemp Alderman punished on Friday. He had an exit velocity that only oh, two major league baseballs saw. were hit harder than last year.
2: I saw that. I saw that real quick on the Valpo when uh when Scott Barry was like. People are asking who the heck Valpo is. I almost interrupt. I's like, Coach, I bet the Ole Miss fans know who Valpo they, they, is. They know
3: who Valpo is. <laughs> they know who that State is. fans do too, because the By Ole Miss. By the way,
2: Bryce Drew is in the tournament. He's the head coach at Grand Canyon. Oh, that's right.
3: Yeah, good for. Good for him. Good, uh, yeah. good for him. Mike in Oxford says Reggie Drum is a loser. So good to see the conference suspend him.
2: That's the umpire that we were talking about. Uh, earlier.
3: Just. And, and, you know, I, I have a, a friend that's a, just a super baseball purist that was like, that's what you get for showing up the ump. And I thought, that that's so no. stupid. The umpire is an adult man. He's supposed to have all biases and emotions aside and call the game fairly because the game should be decided all- by two people or two things, the two teams. That's it.
2: If you get mad at a uh, person at Starbucks, are they allowed to spit in your coffee? No. That's what this is, right? You have a job to do. Doesn't matter what the other people do. You have a job to do. Your job is to call balls and strikes. So no, it does not. It, it doesn't matter what the players do. You have to do your job. If you got a problem, throw them out of the game. They'll bring another batter up. You move on with your life. Yeah. But the, to to blatantly break the rules by calling a ball a strike is a door that nobody wants open.
3: Completely on purpose. Wasn't borderline. It was completely and totally no. for one reason: spite.
2: Correct. Correct.
3: Uh, This guy's a winner for sending this message. I don't know what the context is, but I appreciate it. He said, you're going to have to be panhandling for change if you keep talking common sense, Porky. I appreciate that. I don't know what you're referencing, but hey, thank you. Uh, Thank you nonetheless. Uh, Aaron from Madison says, loser the ump that rung the kid up on a ball way outside after calling a questionable strike the call before. Absolutely. And that's the nation's leading base stealer, by the way. The nation's yes. leading base dealer at valley that's pr- uh, pretty so cool so valley
2: mike mike and oxford texted us about this last week that valley has the top 2 leading base dealers in college baseball by the way real quick just so you know i don't know if you're aware of this not the next day valley lost 35 to 3 mm. that's that's a real life baseball score
3: yeah uh Tupelo, uh Tupelo Pal, I guess, is what you want us to call you. That's fine. We appreciate you nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Can't remember the guy's name, but the lineman for state that donated his NIL earnings. Oh, to Tupelo Pal. True winner. What? Who is that? I, I'm not familiar with what he's I think referencing. That's, I,
2: think I, I, don't, I don't think it's a lineman. I think it's uh, Jet Johnson. Okay. Yeah.
3: Good for him, man. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. I, I love seeing stories like that.
2: Oh, it's great, yeah. Just
3: the best. Chad Ramy is a For winner. For those who don't know, Pal is the police
2: athletic league. Okay. Tupelo Pal. It's a it's a Tupelo Police Department, uh, charitable okay. thing where they, they, they get kids they help kids.
3: Forgive my ignorance there. I thought the texter wanted me to call him Tupelo Pal, which I would have. I, yeah. I, would, I would have done it. Our pal in Tupelo. Pal and Tupelo, yeah. Uh he can be our
2: chief in Winona or our, <laughs> our buddy in, in Boca Chita, or you know, our, We've got our friend Bully. in Fulton.
3: Yeah. I mean, King Biscuits around sometimes. You know, we'll, yeah. We'll do whatever. Chase says Chad Ramey's a winner. He struggled after taking an early lead at the players, but recovered and gained himself some national attention as well as a nice payday. Yeah, that was a good week for him. You know, hit the ball in the water twice on 17, really shot himself in the foot uh, over the weekend, but still a really good showing and a really cool story. I mean, practices on a nine hole course that doesn't have a range and is i mean found found a home on the PGA tour which is his career his career is a perfect encapsulation for how hard professional golf is he spent years with no status so think about it this way he is a professional golfer that didn't have a team to play for for years and now he's regularly making cuts and uh, a great success story and uh, Mississippi, and obviously played at Mississippi State. Cool story there, for uh, for sure. Yeah. Jeff in Oxford, winner, Old Miss, Big Ten baseball champions. Uh, he also has <laughs> a, a loser for an announcer that was not aware of the rules. Another loser, the losers that did not put Vandy in the tournament. Counterpoint: Don't lose to Grambling. No, no exactly. offense, Southern Miss fans. That the net isn't particularly good. Don't lose to Southern Miss at home. Don't do that
2: what we've learned in in this season i feel like is every game is the same every game has the same amount of weight win or lose december or march if you lose a bad game in december it does not you cannot win a good game in march and cancel it out and so that that's you know that's why texas a&m is a 7 seed today and not a 4 or 5 seed which they should be that's why vanderbilt's not in and that's why Mississippi State, quite frankly, is in, because they didn't have the bad losses. And it's just that simple.
3: Yeah, There isn't one, and they beat the Big East champion, they beat TCU out of the best conference in America. It makes sense. It, uh, it does. Um, this is a nuanced question that requires, I think, a nuanced answer, but I'll read it anyway. I'm wondering, the text says, how the naysayers would answer the question, how long should Beard be left out of coaching before he is hired by someone? Is it... Forever. Here's your short answer. Generally speaking, how much will they win? That tells you how long they're going to be left out of the sport. How much, how much will they win? That is what determines how long somebody is left out of coaching. That's why Hugh Freeze got a job basically right away. That's why Chris Beard got a job right away. My,
2: real quick, my answer would be he should be back in coaching. Maybe not after 10 weeks, though.
3: Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back.
4: All your landscape, from a small job to total transformations, just give us a call to discuss your landscaping needs. Visit Callaway's in Gludstadt on Calhoun Station Parkway, south of Germantown High.
0: Callaway's is. Callaway's is. Everything for home
1: and garden.
0: That's what Callaway's is. And on. The- Arm yourself with everything you need to take on your day. Wake up with Gallo tomorrow on 97.3 FM, Super Talk Mississippi. Strike a pose. Or are you just it. sitting
3: further away, like forced perspective kind of thing? <laughs> like, like people with fishing pictures, man. You, you, If you look closely, their arm is extended Hold on, how, how close can camera. I get this camera? Huh? Here, Here it is. is. <laughs> I'll leave it like that. <laughs> oh, <man>. ah. <laughs> Thank you Michael says, speaking of retracting Richard Cross In fairness, in defense of Richard He has addressed it a couple of times on this show
2: Give Richard a piece of advice That was taught to me by the great philosopher Obi-Wan Kenobi Who said, only a Sith deals in absolutes Simple as that Loser. Nothing is ever black and white
3: loser the alabama shirt that said killing it through the sec cool. yeah those those pair the, so the league uh, maybe they I, I don't honestly i don't know why the sec didn't do this because they can do it to the whistler too and they choose not to those guys should not have been allowed back into the tournament not so so they banned them the initial reporting was they banned them from the arena for wearing those shirts it's actually right. they just told them they wouldn't be allowed in if they had the shirts on anymore
2: yeah, it should have been straight. You can't come back.
3: Just so Look, uh,
2: did they, you know, they said they were Alabama fans, but you know, I always think about those uh those folks who showed up at media days, not that it's the same thing, but they showed up wearing the the, the colors of whatever team Alabama yeah, lost to last. Oh, oh. No. <laughs> that some of the, there's this this like little group of like three guys and they would show up. Sometimes they would wear Auburn stuff. They wore Ohio State stuff. when they were Ole Miss stuff one year. This whoever Alabama lost to, that's who they would support. I I, I would not be totally surprised if we find out in like a week or two because that guy is going to get found out. You know his, his picture is up there. Somebody's going to put him on social media. Somebody's going to say, hey, I know that guy. That he's an Auburn fan. I won't be totally surprised.
3: Loser, North Carolina, declining the
2: NIT. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit during the break. You know, I remember when North Carolina came to Starkville during the NIT uh, in one of Rick Stansberry's years there, and I mean that was a really surreal moment seeing that color of blue and seeing Roy Williams and those guys on the sideline in Starkville. I understand it was a really disappointing season, but I mean, declining the NIT when you—it's—it's it's one thing when you're like just barely over 500. When you were one of the last teams out, you should go. You should go. You should get the practice in. You should play. But whatever.
3: For a Super Bowl run, can the Saints hire a mere image of Sean Payton? No, they have the more conservative defensive version of Sean Payton. It it didn't uh, mm-hmm. particularly go. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see
2: how it goes. It'd be okay. Just let it it be. Let's let's give it another year.
3: Baseball games are always decided on the field between two teams, except Ole Miss and Louisiana Tech.
2: That is correct. (laughs) The only known example of it
3: not happening. Uh, Jason says, I don't know what to think about the Chris Beard thing. I see stories that it wasn't reported correctly, which is believable these days, especially from Austin, Texas. I don't know. Is it even acceptable? Is that an acceptable answer anymore? yeah Jason, that the nuance is lost in the conversation for sure. It's a nuanced thing. I, I've, I've told people privately, I, we talked about it on Friday here as well, that not, not everybody that, from an almost perspective that I've spoken to is super on board. like you've got a lot of people that are gung-ho, and then there are some people that are that are not comfortable. and I, I think you're just in your feeling if, if you're not comfortable. That's totally understandable. I don't think that makes you a bad fan or anything. It's it's totally justified. It is a complicated, nuanced thing. It was very recent. The charges were dropped. That, that is part of the story also. The arrest is part of the story. Charges being dropped is part of the story. Her statement's part of the story. It's muddy and nuanced and layered and complicated and... I think people are oversimplifying it to some degree. But at the end of the day, as goofy as this sounds, as long as he doesn't do it again, he's very likely going to win basketball games. And this conversation for the majority of the people is going to end. That's, Jason, that's kind of how this works. It's how it happens. It's how Ray Lewis can continue playing in his Hall of Fame career. It's, it's how Ed Orgeron got jobs after Miami. It's how Hugh Freeze is at Auburn. It's, it's how James Franklin's at Penn State. It's, it's how all of these things happen. As long as winning happens and it doesn't happen again, then these people are going to keep getting jobs and they're going to keep winning and people are going to stop talking about uh, what happened. That is just the reality of this situation from a basketball perspective. As we've said many times, Ole Miss just hired an elite-level basketball coach that has a story that's attached to it. Both of those things are true. You can't tell the story of one without the other. It's complicated, Jason. It it is. It's it's just complicated. Life's complicated. That's just that's the story. So, so 601-879-4395 is the text line. If you want to be a part, that's how you do it. College football fix coming your way next. Oh.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
3: Michael Morky and Brian Haight with you. We'll put a pause on the basketball conversation, which, by the way, Mississippi State made the NCAA tournament. Both the men and the women's team from Ole Miss, and State made the tournament as well. If you missed that conversation, we started the show with it. Check out the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast wherever you get them. Just search Sports Talk Mississippi, pull it up, commercial free. Hit subscribe or like if you're using Spotify on your C Spire phone. And check it out there. You won't miss a minute. Scott Barry, Chris Limones, you hear from both of them, winners and losers. A lot of beard talk because that's what people are talking about. And right now, you didn't miss this, though, the college football fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. When you're not watching basketball this week, might be a little time to do this, but when you have time, go by one of your local Mississippi Ford dealers and test drive an F-150. It's been the best-selling truck in America for almost 50 years. Basically, the entire time Richard Cross has been alive, which is a long time, by the way. Like, a long time. People still think he's the oldest on this show, by the way. Hey, Dad, we're going to stick with that Mm because it drives him nuts. But, college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. I want to talk about something. Very little college football news in terms of, like, the actual football ...going on right now, which is a good thing. If your team is in the news right now, that's not good. So there's no news good. around here. That's good. All good. In uh, Starkville-Oxford and Hattiesburg. I was listening, running errands Saturday morning... ...to a national uh, CBS sports radio show. And they were talking about the draft and quarterbacks and stuff like that. And the the center of it was the Panthers trade. They, they gave up a bunch of picks... Two first rounders, two second rounders, and DJ Moore to the Bears to move up to number one because they're going to be picking a quarterback. Guy was kind of opining over who that should be. He was talking about Anthony Richardson, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers watched Anthony Richardson and saw Cam Newton. He was going down their number, uh, the their their numbers, but not the football numbers, the physical trait numbers. Well. Richardson's this tall, and Newton's this tall, and Richardson's this heavy, and Newton's this heavy, and he runs this, and he jumped this. And not one time in the entire conversation did he mention football. Just measurables and said, Anthony Richardson's the next Cam Newton. That's what the Panthers see. That's why they're going to draft Richardson. Why does nobody talk about wins when they talk about quarterbacks? That's my question for the college football fix. This guy did not mention once that Cam Newton had one of the best individual seasons at the position in the history of the sport. That by himself willed a team that had one other NFL player on it. One other NFL player on it to a national championship in the SEC. Why is that not part of the conversation when people are talking about quarterbacks and evaluating them and picking them in the draft. Why is Anthony Richardson considered a better prospect than Bryce Young? When Bryce Young won, Richardson did not. Cam Newton never lost to Vanderbilt. Cam Newton didn't lose, let alone to Vanderbilt. Help me out through that. Why why can you compare Richardson and Cam Newton and not even feel stupid for not mentioning what they did on the actual football field? My mind was blown. How do NFL people do this? Well, first
2: off... First off, you're gonna realize stupid people don't feel stupid. So when you say, well, "How can you not feel stupid?" Well, because they're stupid. And it's just that simple. Um, as a Saints fan, when I saw the deal for the—I don't know—did you talk about that deal on Friday? I guess you did. Yeah. And how the Bears fleeced the play, the Panthers? Yeah, they did. My first thought was, okay, you only do that if you there's a quarterback you are absolutely in love with, right? Because let's just say you're like, hey, I like all these guys, so if we're picking third and Young and Stroud go, we can still get you know Richardson. Whatever, right? you got to have a guy you're like, I have to have him. I am hoping against hope that that guy is Anthony Richardson for the Panthers. That's what I want to see, because that's another two or three years of the Panthers being totally irrelevant and I don't have to worry about them. I hope it's Levis. You know, I hope it's not Bryce Young. I hope it's not CJ Stroud. And of course, I saw a report today that the Panthers are already looking to trade down. Like, they realized they gave up the Golden Goose, and now they're going to have, you know. And I thought another great point about the Panthers, too. It said, uh, you could have just traded two firsts to Baltimore and gotten Lamar Jackson, called it a day. But I guess, regardless of all that. So, the, the answer to your question is this everybody wants to s- seem smarter than everybody else. Everybody wants to say they were the first to see something. At the end of the day, Anthony Richardson was a mediocre college quarterback. He had one year as a starter. They went six and seven. He didn't put up very impressive numbers. I get that he's a physical freak. There are lots of physical freaks out there.
4: Yeah.
2: And a lot of those guys play in the NFL, but they're not quarterbacks. Quarterback requires more than just physical ability. You know, some guys have it, some guys don't. You could take the—I don't know who the best athlete in the NFL is off the top of my head. My guess is it would be either a wide receiver or a safety, or well, maybe 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 a running back. But they couldn't—they're not going to be able to play quarterback. Richardson would probably—and I, I, I look—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm trying really hard not to pigeonhole myself into what people were saying about Dak Prescott prior to his uh, draft day. But the difference is that Dak had played quarterback in the SEC at a high level. He was two-time All-SEC. He threw for a ton of touchdowns and a very few interceptions. He ran for a lot of touchdowns. His team won 19 games in two years as a starter. There's a difference. So I don't know why people do this themselves. I really thought the Levis stuff was was ridiculous, but the Richardson stuff is entirely... I get that he's physically this incredible prospect. I feel like Josh Allen has just ruined scouting. Yeah, I feel like Josh Allen has. Everybody wants the next Josh Allen. They're just they're just going to pass over a good college. If I were if the Saints were picking first, I would tell you know, and Derek Carr wasn't an option. You know, they didn't have a quarterback. I'd say go draft Bryce Young, and I would if he if he busted, he busted. But I would never have doubted the pick. Right. But if they drafted Richardson or Levison, Levis, I would be like idiots.
3: Yeah, and, and the same thing is happening with Bryce Young and Kyler Murray. I mean, people are talking about Young's size, and uh, for example, so Bryce Young, when he measured at the combine, was five ten and had five uh, ten and one eighth of an inch. Kyler Murray was five ten and one eighth of an inch, the exact same height. Bryce Young was three pounds smaller than Kyler Murray, two oh seven versus two oh four and their hand size was Bryce Young had a bigger hand by one-fourth of an inch, nine and three-fourths versus nine and a half. So what people are doing that same thing. Well, Bryce Young is just Kyler Murray, and we see Kyler Murray's not working, and they immediately just attribute it to size. And and they don't tell the story that Kyler Murray has to be forced by his contract to study four hours of film, that he's Call of Duty obsessed, and they can't get him off the Xbox. And Bryce Young is a film nut, a brilliant player who studies like crazy, is a student of the. Like, they don't talk about that stuff. Like, Kyler Murray has to be forced to study film because he's too busy playing Call of Duty. Bryce Young, Nick Saban has said, is the most studious player he's ever had. Like, it's like they intentionally omit the most important part of that story. Yes, they're the same size, basically identical. But when Kyler Murray is focused, Look at how good he can be. Yeah. That's that's why Kyler Murray's failing. It's not because he's 5'10 and an eighth. It's because he plays five hours five hours of Call of Duty every single day. That's your difference.
2: We have it in NFL Scouting, we have it in recruiting. Everybody wants to find the next whatever. Nobody wants to find good players and they continue to be good players. You know, if you're at Ole Miss right now. Everybody's looking. You, you want to find the next Eli Manning, the next Patrick Willis. There's only one of those guys. If you're at state, you know, next. I'm telling you right now, every quarterback state recruits going forward. Now that they're back to recruiting mobile quarterbacks, it's going to be the next, the next Dak Prescott. There's only one Dak Prescott. You know that. That's all you get. You hope that Chris Parson is the first Chris Parson. That's what. That's what yeah. you want. But nobody's willing to do that. Everybody wants to say they found. You know, they, they got the next guy. It doesn't always work that
3: way. It uh, it does not. We get one message: Bryce Young and Tua are very similar. Another question: Is Matt Corral anywhere in the Panthers' quarterback conversation? No. In fact, the, they are considered that they're shopping a trade. Uh, I mean, they, they yeah. drafted up to, to pick a quarterback. I assume they're going to be in the market for a vet that somebody like an Andy Dalton. Uh, that that can help mm-hmm. bridge the gap between them and their rookie. Yeah, they're they're looking for like a seventh round pick uh, you for know somebody to pick up. I'll Corral. make that
2: trade straight up. What Dalton, is Dalton Ver- still on the roster, or is he a free agent?
3: I don't believe he's on contract. I don't think so.
2: I'm about to say if he's on the ro- if he was on the roster, just call him up. And be like, we'll trade. Yeah, because
3: now you got your vet in car. You don't you know you don't need yeah. another one. You can go young behind him. Yeah, but yeah, they are. Um, they're shopping him. I love the way this uh, text is framed. You're actually correct about Kyler Murray, Michael. Like, as if me being correct is some kind of new thing, but (laughs) I appreciate it. It's a rare thing on this show. Congratulations. Uh, Apparently so. He said, That's my team. I've heard that that's exactly what's going on with him. He never studies film. Not only is he obsessed with Call of Duty, he's also obsessed with Halo and several other games. Yeah, somebody on Reddit. Uh, tracked Kyler Murray's performance before and after the release of Call of Duty every year, and he gets worse <laughs> after the release it's every fantastic. year. It's, it's fantastic work, by the Very good sleuthing. Yeah. Mike Bianco joins
0: us next. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Michael Borkin and Brian Haydad with you on this Monday afternoon. We put the football talk aside for a second to go to the Farm Bureau guest line check out favorites.com and go with the home team Ole Miss baseball coach Mike Bianco joining us right now fresh off a sweep of Purdue and coach we'll start here congratulations on uh, the Big Ten championship uh, another trophy <laughs> in- into your trophy case eight and one against the league this year congrats
4: I oh, appreciate it you know you know it just kind of turned out that way you know with the scheduling but you know uh I think we, we got what we wanted out of it as far as you know, non-conference, good competition. We even went up north a little bit, played in the dome. So we, uh, it was good 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 few weeks for us. Uh,
3: forgive me, Coach, if this is a, a stupid question, but I ask those sometimes. You go to extras in game two of this series. Does part of you kind of like to see how your team would respond in a close game situation like that, or would you rather just 10-run rule everybody? <laughs>
4: Um, I think in the moment you'd rather ten run rule people, but I think you know, uh, you know, in retrospect you look back, and I said it immediately after the game: it's good. It's it's what you know, the non-conference games are about, and you know, in the closer games where uh, you know you kind of use the bullpen maybe in a different way. Uh, it challenges the, the, the pitchers; it puts a little more pressure on them. Obviously, the offense, you know, being able to to come back after you know losing a lead. I think for for so many reasons those those games not just the extra rated games but comeback games games that are low scoring games games that are high scoring games you want you want to be in a lot of different situations uh, so when you get into conference play it's not the first time that you've been there.
3: Kemp Alderman uh, was a menace this week and I'm curious for, from a baseball perspective though uh, Purdue decided to just put him on base uh, all game on Sunday. But it's not like you get a break behind Alderman. You got a handful of really good hitters up close to 400 behind Alderman in the lineup. Were you surprised to see Purdue went with going ahead and, and putting him on? And if you were in their shoes, would you do the same thing, knowing what comes up behind him?
4: I'm not necessarily surprised. And, and you got to remember, you, you say it as if he was intentionally walked every single time. He was intentionally walked once. They just pitched him really, you know, tough and really, I think, uh, carefully. <laughs> And we're hoping that he would chase balls out of his own. So part of that, you know, you've got to credit Kemp, you know, not, not chasing pitches out of his zone and, and trusting the guys behind him, like, you know, Calarco and McCants and Chatney and all guys that have been swinging the bat, as you mentioned, really, really well. And, and I think, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, publicity is calling to Kemp and, and it should. Uh, but one of the reasons that, you know, I've kind of been singing the praises of the offense is, you know, one through nine, we've been really good. There's been a different star every day. And, you know, several of those days, it's been the guy behind Kemp, right? Anthony Calarco. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I, if, if I was facing Kemp, I think I would pitch him, pitch him cautiously as well.
3: You've got a handful of guys in your lineup, highly productive guys in your lineup that you know played a lot of college baseball, not necessarily in the SEC, though. What are you telling guys like Calarco and Groff, as conference plays beginning this weekend, what kind of, if any, adjustments they need to make or, or, or what the difference is between AAC baseball and Big Ten baseball is versus what they're about to run into starting with Vanderbilt this weekend?
4: Well, you know, I think we've gotten off to a great start. Those guys have gotten off to a great start, the Gross, the Clarkos, you know, the Ethan Leges and, you know, Xavier Reed has pitched really, really well this past weekend. So another transfer, I think that the message isn't that it's different. You know, obviously the caliber of baseball is better, but it's better for everyone. And, uh, and that those are kids uh, that are deserving to be here. They're, 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 they're all in our lineup, which we feel is a really good lineup. I mean, they're really good baseball players. So, so don't, you shouldn't play the game differently. You know, you shouldn't go, you know, your approach shouldn't be different. Now, it may be more difficult to have success, but but that's the same for everyone. You know, and so when you look up at records at 14 and 2 and 15 and 1 and 13 and 3, you know, in a few weeks, those records won't be that clean, you know. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult for everyone, not just, you know, the oldest players
3: we asked your colleagues in the state this same question it seems like walks are up and by seems like I mean they are uh, the the number of walks are up uh, across the board really in college baseball uh, do you attribute that to the the pitch clock and pitchers having to work faster or, or the track man or, or what's your uh, side on on the increased number of walks uh, around the league and around the country
4: no I don't, I don't I don't believe it has much if anything to do with the pitch clock. Uh I think it has more to do with the uh, the two the two biggest things I think is you know one uh I think the the, the zone you know is no doubt smaller you know overall you know by both umpires and it's reason it's it's not their fault they're being graded differently you know it's more of uh of an objective grading system where they they have the data of uh, the balls that were in the strike zones the balls that were out and the other being being graded as such when before it was more subjective. You'd ask, you know, Mike Bianco after a game, you'd ask Tim Corbin. And, you know, it is subjective. One guy won, one got lost. And so, you know, we may have different opinions on how the umpire called the game. So I think that's number one. I think number two is um uh, a lot of times, you know, as far as pitchers and recruiting, as kids get, you know, um, you know, into high school, there's more I think uh, premium put on stuff. Uh, velocity and movement and those types of things versus just pitching and, uh, being able to locate, uh, being able to throw, you know, multiple pitches in a strike zone. And I think kids grow up, you know, kind of in that era. And I think you see it on the major league level as well. And uh, not to mention that I think the offenses are better. You know, that might be the third one where, you know, just offenses are better. You're giving up more runs. And so pitchers, you know, uh, are trying to live on the edges a little, you know, too much. And sometimes that hurts.
3: Speaking of pitching, it seems like you've had a handful, possibly, of of bullpen arms that you've relied on and have given you good results over the last couple of weeks. Uh, How confident are you in your bullpen now that conference play, of course, is starting this weekend?
4: Our bullpen's you know, continuing to get better and you know, losing Hunter the, 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 the first weekend which moved, you know, Jack Doherty from the bullpen to the to you know, one of the starting spots. You know, obviously hurts. You know that that bullpen when you know your number one closer, you know now becomes a starter. But Mason Nichols has been able to to hold that down for us. But you know the biggest thing is I think some of the younger arms. Uh, you know guys like Sam DeCoyan, You know you, you saw yesterday uh, and all weekend. Every time he's pitched, he's pitched really well and gotten us out of some big jams. Uh, you know certainly J T Quinn, Mitch Morrell has been you know an ace force out of the bullpen. So we're getting better and better. Uh, but I think when you you start to get to this point in the season where you're getting to SEC play, you have to pitch well as a bullpen to have success.
3: Uh, conference play does begin this weekend, but you, you said you're on the bus right now, you're on your way to play a game uh, tomorrow night you, your plan, is it still Quinn uh, going tomorrow night for you?
4: No, uh, you know uh, Quinn threw uh, in relief on Sunday, uh, so you could see him in relief, but no, we we're, we're going to go we're going to start with Dara.
3: Great. Well, uh we appreciate your time, coach. Safe travels uh on your way to to Jacksonville State and of course to to Vanderbilt. We appreciate your time and uh, good luck this weekend.
4: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That
3: was Mike Bianco, head coach of Old Miss Baseball joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. It, I
2: definitely <laughs> you agree. You got to turn your mic on, man. I, I, was, I had <laughs> I had a cough during the interview. I just want to be sure. Uh I definitely agree with one thing you said there for sure. And that's there has been a premium placed on velocity over just the ability to pitch. And so many colleges now are taking guys because they throw 95, 96, but they don't have the ability to locate. Whereas guys who can throw 91, 92 who can throw strikes are getting overlooked a little bit. And that's why, you know, you're starting to see a lot better pitchers in some of the, the, the group of five mid major schools. But I, I, that's a, I thought that was a really good point by, by, by Coach Bianco there that. We're so obsessed, you know. It's the same thing on the hitters too, right? You know, we're we're so obsessed with the long ball that you know the the guys who can just hit three ten and just get you a bunch of singles kind of get get overlooked from time to time. So I thought that was a really good point. But both all three of them though did agree that the the track man and the way they're they're grading umpires now is playing a role in this, which is hilarious to me because basically what they're saying is, yeah, now that we have the analytics to actually look at what the strike zone is, we found out the umpires kind of sucked.
3: Imagine that, yeah, I mean who would have guessed you know the the velocity thing is is so interesting because you you've got guys in the majors that throw a hundred plus miles an hour, and there's a good bit of them at this mm-hmm. point, but that's also how guys like Lance Lynn can survive as long as they do he he mm-hmm. didn't throw a hundred there are high school kids that throw, throw strikes, harder than then. Lance Lynn throw strikes locates and throws strikes that's what he does yeah.
2: We we talked about this on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, but when you throw a pitch, there's basically like a 65% chance it's not going to be a hit. Imagine that. Every pitch you throw, there's like a 65% chance it's not going to be a hit. The best hitters are hitting the ball 32
3: 33% of the time. That's baseball, man. That, uh, yeah. that is baseball. Throw strikes, kids. Throw strikes. 601-879-4395. We talked about it in the first hour. We need to circle back to it, though. The NCAA Tournament Selection Sunday was yesterday. Three of our teams had their name called. Uh, Mississippi State men made it. They played tomorrow night. Both Mississippi State and Ole Miss women made it as well. We'll come back to that when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. With you. T- Get this text from Hunter. I know I promised basketball, but I want to read this. It's an interesting debate. This is the kind of stuff that I need to know more of. This is what you guys talk about, as opposed to like X's and O's. This is what Ole Miss and State fans are debating with each other. Me and a buddy were talking. He's a big Ole Miss fan, and me and him, Hunter is a State fan, agree. I know Richard thinks it's dumb that State and LSU have visitors' bullpens in foul territory. We think that having a bullpen where fans could be is dumb. I mean, where else could you put the bullpen at Duty Noble? We think Ole Miss should move their bullpens to make better fan experience. Hey, Dad, what do you think about that? Well,
2: A, unlike Richard, I really don't give a care where the bullpens are. I do get that like them being in play sometimes can be a hazard. Um, but that being said, to answer his question, like where can they be at state? Well, we got to remember, state's state's bullpen is tucked away; it's not in play, whereas the visitors' bullpen is. Which maybe that's a little gamesmanship, I don't know. But they could have designed the stadium in such a way that the visitors had the same bullpen. But I, 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 I don't care where the bullpens
3: are. You, you shouldn't have something like that in the field of play. But uh, I'm with that. I, I don't. I don't. There, there are silly things that I have strong opinions about. That's not one of them. I just, I, I don't care. No. Whatever. But, th- I mean, Major League Baseball stadiums have bullpens tucked away. If they, yeah. with much larger venues, can find a way to do it, then, then so can college stadiums. But again, yeah. whatever. Yesterday was Selection Sunday. Who do you have winning everything? I hate to do it. Really, I do. But I have Alabama. I
2: feel like Alabama has tapped into like this perverse "us against the world" mentality. Nobody outside this locker room believes in us. They all want us to fail. Thing, I think they're gonna ride that all the way to a national title. On top of that, they're an insanely talented team with maybe the best player in college basketball on their team. So, I, I got the
3: tithe. That is true. They do have probably the best player. In the entire yeah. tournament, and yeah,
2: I mean, it, it feels pretty. I feel pretty confident in saying that. So, I mean, he's going to go what third, fourth in the NBA draft. I mean, I know Embiid will be first, but if you went second, I wouldn't be totally surprised.
3: But a more local front, Mississippi State made it. Again, we talked about it earlier, but five o'clock hour, new audience, all that good stuff. Uh, they are an 11 seed. They'll play Pittsburgh tomorrow night. Tough matchup, considering the styles, but uh making it in year one's a big deal, being in this spots a big deal. True TV is something that you have out there. You've got it. Just look, it's there. And a real opportunity here cuz if they can get a win here, Iowa State is a is a nice matchup for them, I think, and you know. Yeah. Once you're in, all you have to do is get in and then plus the about chips. winning at yeah. that point.
2: Yeah. Uh it is a very interesting matchup for State with Pittsburgh. Um two very opposite teams Pittsburgh is a very good offensive team and a very bad defensive team like I said Mississippi State is basically exactly the opposite uh, Pittsburgh shoots and makes a lot of threes Mississippi State shoots a lot of threes but they don't they don't necessarily make them all but at the same time Pitt doesn't have the inside presence of a Tolu Smith the way Mississippi State does so this is going to be a real you know we contrast of Styles we talked about that before when state played Missouri and those teams obviously Split their games, so we'll see what happens here on on the neutral floor there in Dayton. I would imagine it would be more of a pro pit crowd. That's not a f- terrible drive, I would imagine from Pittsburgh, um, but this is you know either State's going to be able to impose their will and play good defense, and Tolu Smith can get his touches and his points, or Pitt's going to rain threes on them all night, and it's going to be a long night for Mississippi State. Player to watch for Pitt if you're an Ole Miss fan, this name would be familiar. State fan might be the same, uh, Blake Henson former uh, Ole Miss. Interesting story. Played the two years at Ole Miss. Was, was good for the Rebels. Uh, obviously, you know, he left. Uh, went to Iowa State and didn't play for two seasons. I honestly thought he was out of college basketball, but he, yeah, he thought, got another he transfer in. he health scare, I believe. He, some, I, and I don't think it was an injury. I think it was an illness. I think something was going on with him. But apparently he's healthy. He's obviously healthy now. He's averaging 16 points a game. He's been their leading scorer. And a guy, I don't think they expected to be their leading scorer when the season started, but he's had a really fine season. Uh, for the Pitt Panthers.
3: On the women's front, uh, got any thoughts there? Them making the tournament as well, year one. Big, big for Mississippi
2: State, obviously. You know, in year one with a fir- I mean, a first-year head coach in terms of a complete first year. Never, never been a head coach before. So, a good job by him, and a good job. You know, Coach O has built that program at Oxford uh, and is doing a great job there. You know, as a nine seed, you look at their record, you might be surprised by that. It, it, this may sound weird because we normally talk about the SEC being so dominant in women's basketball. This year, the SEC was not great outside of South Carolina. I mean, even LSU. LSU only has two losses, and they, they were not a one seed. They weren't even in consideration for it. Um, Ole Miss's best win really might be against Mississippi State. State's best win is probably against Tennessee, who's a four seed. But I mean, there's just not a lot going on for the SEC in women's basketball this year. It was not a dominant conference.
3: Which is kind of weird to say, but, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah, Ole Miss is playing a nine seed who's ranked number 16 in America.
2: Yeah. State's playing a, a play-in game against an Illinois team that is getting votes for the top 25 and beat Iowa, who has the nation's, we talk about the best player in the men's side, best player on the women's side might be Caitlin Clark from Iowa, just a assassin shooter. For the for the Hawkeyes,
3: what's up with that? So, yeah. Well, yeah, w- women's basketball appears when, when it comes to stuff like that is so different than the men.
2: Hmm. That's <sighs> I don't have the answers. I mean, everything is so subjective. Like I said, the main yeah. thing I took away from from the net and and what watching the process is this is that every game it, it counts. You can't say, well, you know, they're playing playing better at the end of the year. Conference games versus non-conference games? They don't care. You play, State played, what, 33 games. All of them are weighted equally. You know, one more win, and they wouldn't have been in the play-in game. One more loss, and they might not have been in at all. And, and the margins are just that fine everywhere you
3: look. That's why I have no sympathy for snubs. Everybody does that, who got snubbed from the right. tournament? Rutgers, oh no, Clemson, oh No. Rutgers and Clemson and Vanderbilt and all these teams that got snubbed. All they did was win other games. Yes, exactly. They, they did it to themselves. This isn't like the college football playoff where TCU in 2014 should have made it, but there's only four teams. And No, this is 68 teams make this tournament, 68 of them. You could literally cut every single field in half and never eliminate a champion of all time. Cut every field in half and you would never once eliminate a champion. I'm so sorry Clemson didn't make it. But no, you aren't. You pick another team.
2: Oh church. pick another team. You aren't sorry I that mean, Clemson
3: didn't make but, it. But and, and the argument is, well, you know, NC State made it and we beat them three times. Is sure. that the only factor?
2: Is it just well, a bit like point point at Vanderbilt, they won thirteen SEC games. You know, eleven in the regular season, yeah. two in the tournament. But those games count the same as the loss to Grambling and the loss to Southern Miss that are against you in the record. So you can't lose to a team like Grambling. And I was surprised to find out Grambling's net was only like 190. If you could have told me it was 350, and I wouldn't have been surprised. I mean, the SWAC is just not a great basketball conference. But that's just the the way that it goes. You have
3: to take every game seriously. December through March, you have to win. I'm with you. I just I don't... I have no sympathy. I, I can't even... I can't bring myself to care. Yeah, Vanderbilt has that loss to Grambling. They lost to VCU. They lost to Saint Mary's. Mm-hmm. They they lost to Southern Miss. Uh, yeah.
2: That lost to LSU hurt them a lot too. I think I I, yeah. I really do think if they had beaten LSU and finished with twelve regular season conference wins, they're probably in. But you lose a quad four game that at that point in the season, especially. And I know what I just said, but I mean, there's some human vision to this. You can't lose that game. You just can't. So yeah. they did, and now they're not in. Mississippi State took care of its business when they had to, and they and they're in.
3: Question on the text line feels like this is a good question that y'all might have hit on before. But how come Ole Miss State and Southern Miss don't play a regular season basketball matchup like they do in baseball? Just doesn't benefit the teams monetarily, or another reason. So uh, St- State has played Southern
2: in the past four or five years in basketball. Uh, Ole Miss does not play Southern, and, will, and I don't think will.
3: They did in the Kennedy um, era. Did they really? They went to Hattiesburg in the Kennedy area hmm. era. This would have been a good year
2: for State and Southern to have played each other. Both of them could have used, yeah. you know, that would have been a, a good win for them.
3: And, Either and, one of whoever got it. And in baseball, there's a lot of travel consideration that goes into building a baseball schedule. You want to play teams in yeah. the midweek that are closer to you. What? What Scott Barry said, I had not
2: considered that he lost a lot of midweek games because now those are conference games. He yeah. can't play Louisiana and South Alabama in the midweek anymore. That's a great point that I had never thought of. Mm-hmm. So we'll
3: see who
1: he. Had.
2: And you think about Conference USA; they can't try You know, they're not going to do a midweek game at Marshall. No, you know, they're not going to do
3: that. So Lane Burroughs is going to have some free spots in his future schedules, I think. <laughs> He loves coming to Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll be back.
0: Talk Mississippi. What
1: is going on here?
0: Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: We haven't even really talked about this yet. Do you have any thoughts, any major takeaways from states sweep over Lipscomb? Horrible name for a college, by the way. I I know. I know who's named after.
2: You know what's worse about that? No, no, no. That's not even the worst part. You know what their mascot is? The Bisons. The Bisons. The plural of bison is bison. There is no S. It's like moose or fish. Yeah. I don't get it.
3: Institution of higher Uh, learning.
2: Yeah. I think that Lipscomb is a team, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're going to be like a top 50 win for state, but... They've played pretty well in the non conference and have played tough teams. They took two of three from Notre Dame. Uh, they, they lost two of three, or they, they got swept by Auburn, but those were close. The games with state were pretty close back and forth. Um, so when they get into conference, play, that could end up being, you know, like a 100 to 150 win for state, which would be great. They'll have three of them. Um, I thought from a pitching perspective, they were much, much better this week. Uh, all three of the starters went into the fifth inning. I thought Nate Dome was good again in relief. He's been state's most consistent guy uh, thus far. And now they're starting to figure things out with the lineup. You know, Dakota Jordan has been on the bench, and I, I honestly, you know, I love the talent, I love the potential. But until you can start seeing that breaking ball, you just can't you can't be in the lineup. And so that's allowed them to put Bryce Chance out there in left. He's hitting 378. Kellum Clark uh is over there in uh, in in right. And then you put Hancock at first, you put Highfield behind the plate and you let Hunter Hines be your DH, and that's probably your best lineup. Everybody's hitting uh, 270 or better. David Marshawn coming in has helped a lot. You know, We talked about Slade Alford last week fielding 760. They, you just can't keep that in the lineup. And Marshawn has come in and plays good defense, and he's hitting the ball okay. Um, so everybody's above 270 in the lineup except for Hines and Clark. But those are your power guys. They have a combined 11 home runs thus far. So I think State's starting to figure things out with the lineup. You know, when they get Kate Smith back, I'll be interested to see what they do with the rotation. I think he'll figure back in, he'll probably go to Saturday. I think Gerangelo may have staked his claim for that Friday night spot through the 2026 season at this point, uh, or or however long he's going to be at Mississippi State. And then I'm interested, you know, this week when when they, you know, they pitch Bradley Lofton tomorrow as Chris Malone has told us, but at some point he's got to start getting some weekend innings. He hasn't had any yet uh, since the first weekend of the season cuz he's been that midweek guy. And it's great that they're getting him to give him five, six innings in the midweek, but that's an arm you like to see on the weekend as well. But they played better. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're, they're, they're back. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, things are completely turned around, but they played better this weekend. They've got to have another good week. They really need to win this series at Kentucky. If they go 4-1 and one this week. I, I would feel pretty good about them going forward. But they still have a lot of questions.
3: Sean in Grenada gives us a late loser. By the way, says Alabama baseball. Uh, you're not kidding, Sean. So not only did they lose Love a whole series to Columbia after they cracked the, not only did they crack the top 25, they're in the top 20, but they were losing yeah. in Game Three, 15 to nothing at one point. 15 yeah. to three was the final.
2: Little, little, maybe a little bit of fool's gold with Alabama baseball. We'll see what they've got. Who do they play this weekend? I don't know, but. Let's yeah. Obviously, see. they start conference. Play. Florida in Gainesville. So we'll know. We'll know for yeah. We'll we'll know a good bit about them. Did you see Texas A&M's first three conference series? Are against number one, number two, number three? No way. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, they're struggling. They play LSU, Tennessee, and then I guess it's Ole Miss. Yeah, they they moved up to three.
3: It does feel like they are struggling the most with the the pitch clock deal.
2: Which is not surprising. I mean, imagine if in football they told you you had to get the playoff within the first 15 seconds, right? Well, Lane Kiffin would thrive. He'd be fine. Yeah. But a lot of other coaches like Jimbo Fisher would suffer. Well, Jimbo and that's Fisher's what got you have here. You through, have
3: a, a, you know, the right. 40. Right. You have sheets.
2: a play coach who, who's told his players who's like, let's milk the clock. Let's milk these pitch counts. Let's keep the batters uncomfortable. And now they got to get the ball to the plate. It's, it's no surprise that they are having issues doing that.
3: Doesn't surprise me at all. What do we know about Kentucky? Well, I mean, we'll do this later in the week, of course. But do we? What do we know about them? Anything?
2: I don't know. I haven't looked into Kentucky baseball at all, at all, at all. I know. I know that Nick Mangione probably better win a lot this year and be back in the NCAA tournament, or he's going to get
3: fired. They almost snuck in last year. They, they did. They got hot, and, like and two by weeks, that same token, late. I was kind
2: of surprised they didn't let him go. So,
3: kind of show you what they think about baseball, doesn't it? I know they built a new stadium. Yeah. And like I said,
2: it's it's different. Their old stadium was a crackerjack box that anybody could hit a home run out of. Now it's more of a pitcher's park.
3: Yeah, they'd have not like eight lefties in the lineup hitting home run balls over you know three hundred. Over that little right
2: field porch there. Yeah, yeah.
3: It's ridiculous. Honestly, that was that was Mickey Mouse right there at Kentucky. It It
2: really was. It really was.
3: Well, uh, we'll turn the page to the start of SEC play in baseball tomorrow. Chris Beard will also be formally introduced and have a press conference during the show tomorrow. If anything comes from that, we will talk about that. We'll talk about Mississippi State and Pittsburgh late tomorrow night and more with you tomorrow starting at 3. For Richard and Haydad, I'm Michael. You'll have a great night. Talk to you tomorrow at 3.